Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us this day that we may hear and understand, that we may see and really know who you are and how much you love us. And this we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Uh, please be seated. My grandfather was a Methodist preacher and an educator as well. He was at one time the president of a place called Millsaps College in Jackson, Mississippi. And he was, he was known as a man of God. He was known as a man of, who preached the Word of God. He was known as a man who, uh, in a time when in the South, uh, the, the, the wounds of the Civil War and the wounds of the racism of slavery were still pulling apart the churches. And he spoke strongly, I'm told, for the uniting of the Methodist church, that there wouldn't be a northern Methodist church that was uh, more uh, uh, inclusive and a southern Methodist church that was divided between blacks and whites, that he was a man of God. And, and uh, I was taught by my parents, uh, by uh, my aunts and uncles and cousins, uh, uh, to, to revere him and love him and appreciate him for all he was. But he died in 1929, and I wasn't born until 1946. I could have this knowledge of him. I could understand and respect him, but I didn't know him. I only knew him through others. And I think for many of us, certainly it was for me, in a very conservative, uh, high church, uh, uh, Episcopalian, Methodist uh, 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 world, uh, that I understood that we worshiped a triune God. I understood that there was a Holy Spirit. And I even remember learning in uh, uh, the catechism that I learned when I was 11 years old in a little place called St. Mark's Episcopal Church, I learned that the Holy Spirit was God present in the world today. And yet I didn't know him. I didn't, I sort of understood who he was. But in a practical and personal way, I said the creed in one form or another every Sunday that I went to church. And I did go to most of those Sundays. I did go to church. I said, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, if you have your notes with you, I'm, I'm going to get interactive here. Um, I, I put there a paragraph from the Nicene Creed, which is really taking up that simple statement, I believe in the Holy Spirit, and expanding it theologically and, and in terms of the experience of the people of God with the Holy Spirit. And if you have one of these papers, would you please read it with me? 
where it says, we believe. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. I think the first thing that the creeds teach us is that the Holy Spirit is. He is the third person of the Trinity. He is the Lord. And often when in the Scripture uh, the prophets and the people of old, God's people of old, cry out to God, they are indeed responding relationally to this third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. In Genesis chapter 1, we read these words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. That's how the world began. But then the the important part comes, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. We know as we read on in Genesis that God spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light. That God spoke the rest of, what, of, of the created universe into being. But the means by which his word manifested those things, those things became real and solid, was by the Holy Spirit. There's another part of that statement that comes from the Nicene Creed that I think helps us. It affirms to us that the Spirit is not somehow subordinate to the Father and the Son because it says He proceeds from the Father and the Son. And it goes on to say, and with the Father and Son He is worshipped and glorified. It is that sense of his equality with the other persons of the Trinity, the ones that we may uh, uh, comprehend a little bit better because of the way in which they are described and the interactions are described within the text of our scriptures, both in the Old Testament and in the New. But one of the problems that we have, one of the reasons why, why uh, Holy Spirit is sometimes like the grandfather that we didn't know is because his very nature is not to be uh, manifest in a physical way except through God's people. And that's an important thing. He spoke through the prophets that one of the principal ways in which under the old covenant people knew him was that he spoke powerfully through these men of God, through these people who were clearly and recognized as set apart. Now, the interesting thing is, even though he spoke through the prophets, their words, and indeed the word of God, was not always accepted by the people of God. And that's one of the tragedies of our fallen human nature, isn't it? Even among God's covenant people, there is this sense that God was speaking and working powerfully. 
And then Jesus de- describes in, in the Gospel of John uh, that similar reality of the Spirit, that the Spirit uh, says uh, that the Spirit operates like this. It's like the wind that blows, and you can sort of feel it against your face. You can see it flapping the, 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 the flag. You can see the leaves moving. You can get an idea of how powerful it is if you go down to the shore and you see a sailboat going along at 20 miles an hour without an engine. That there's power there. There's, there's, there, there is a, a, an energy that has definite effects, but we see the effects. We don't see the thing. We don't see the Spirit. The other thing about the, the wind, as Jesus uses it to describe the Spirit, is that we don't see who is directing it. It seems to go... As Jesus says, the wind goes where it wills. It wills. And remember, this wind is not just a a power or an energy, not just a force of nature, but indeed it's a person, an unseen, if you will, the unseen hand of God or the unseen breath of God. So if we're going along in this kind of uh, both a biblical and theological explanation of the Spirit, we need to understand that within our Scripture, the words in both of the languages of our Bible, the word for Spirit can also be the word for wind and also the word for breath. So when we sing in our in our choruses, breathe on me, breath of God. What are we saying? God, give me more of your spirit. And when it says that, uh, that, that God took of the, the stuff of the earth, uh, as, as some of the old hymns and choruses talk about taking a, a lump of clay, and, and forming it into the shape of a human being. And then God breathed into that dirt, it says. What does it say? A living breath. A living breath. What was the... the th- Not only did the Spirit give creation being, but it gave life to every living thing and especially to us, to humankind. This is the work of the Spirit. So he not only is, and he is something incredible, but he acts in ways that, first of all, make us who we are. You might see in your notes there, when I talk about how he acts, um, and Andrew refers, referred to it before we said our confession. One of the things that the experience of the people of God have, and it goes back to the prophets of old, is that when the Spirit begins to move and, and begins to touch the lives of people, often what he's doing is setting uh, them back on course, I'd put it that way. That is, he convicts us of the wrong that's in our lives, the things that are wrong with us, the things that we are doing. He sometimes gently, sometimes pretty amazingly, right, 
he confronts us. And sometimes it's through other people. Often it is. As with the prophets of old, he comes and says, you ain't doing right. And it's hard to hear. But when we hear it, and when we hear the, that, that the quality of a loving father correcting a daughter or a son, it is amazing. And we respond. He also is one who convinces us of who we are. We know because St. Paul teaches us and our own experience and belief is that we are saved, as we say, saved from death, saved from the power of sin, saved by grace, St. Paul tells us in Ephesians, through faith, and that it's not our own doing. It's a gift that is given us from God. That we even in our new creation, just as we were in the basic creation of humankind, that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's what St. Paul teaches us. So there is this notion that, that or, or this understanding that we have theologically but what St. Paul also teaches us is that, um, is that Holy Spirit, uh, he, by working in our lives, by touching us in, in, in very specific ways that are known to us uh, experientially as well as sort of in the abstract, uh, that he affirms to us the truth of this salvation that we have by grace and through faith. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21, he begins, uh, uh, St. Paul begins saying this, and it is God who, is, who establishes you with us, I, I'm sorry, that establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and again, that word is one of those sort of Bible words and religious words, but it's talking about, it uses a, a, an analogy of oil being poured upon, right? But it's a sign, an outward invisible sign of that grace and, and, and inward reality of the Holy Spirit. He has anointed us, he says, and in verse 22, and who has also put his seal on us, given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. It's like a down payment in the original language. There's, here's the down payment that says you're going to get the whole thing. You're going to get the full deal. And the full deal is salvation, eternal relationship with God in and through Jesus Christ that what Holy Spirit does by giving us the capacity for faith, by uh, uh, creating the kind of loving relationships that we have in the body of Christ, <clears throat> by opening to us the truth of God's Word in the Scripture, what He does is He's giving us those first fruit, if you will, 
uh, that's what uh, one of the descriptors there. The first fruit, the guarantee, the down payment on the full package. When he answers a prayer, when he lifts you up in the middle of a time of discouragement and depression, when things just begin to happen in a good way and there's no outward reason, but you know that somehow the hand of God has been moving in your circumstances, that's a way that God affirms to us that we are his, that we're his children, that he's the good, good father that we, that we, uh, uh, that we sang about. And I hope we know, are coming to know, uh, as his children. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 5, it says, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God. That is, it's talking about salvation and living in the Spirit in this, in this day and age with all the frustrations that go with it, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. He uses that word again, St. Paul does. And again in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, he says, we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. It's this idea of a kind of a, there's a, there's a seal on us. There's a, 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 it's like the fingerprint of God right there. That's what the Holy Spirit is. When, when he begins to move and we begin to recognize what he's doing in our lives. The other way in which the Spirit, and this, you've known this, this is, uh, this is not, certainly not original with me, is that we talk about him as the comforter. And it's interesting that there is a, a single word in the original language, in the Greek language, that is... is that is described sometimes as a comforter, sometimes as a counselor, sometimes as a helper. There are various ways in which this word is brought into English, but it literally means somebody who's walking beside you. It's, uh, uh, the, you've, you've heard perhaps in, um, or seen written somewhere the word paraclete. Parakletos is the word in the Greek language. It, it means somebody who's kind of there, and he's comforting you when you're distressed. He's giving you advice about, yeah, go this way, don't go that way. He is, uh, uh, he, he's helping you. Oh, God, oh, God, I don't think I can get through this. Do you see how that, that, that whole thing works? But it's the notion of God, a God who makes himself present with us. And when we don't see him, you know that little poster that has the feet in the sand? <laughs> the whole point of that is it's not, if you don't know what I'm talking about, the, 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 the message is, there were two footsteps as if two people, two sets of steps. You know this, this picture? Yeah. And that sometimes there's one step, and the guy says, the, 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 the mythical prayer says, well, where were you? And God says, I was carrying you then. All right. 
But it's the notion behind that is this notion that God is there. The trouble is we don't see him. Our eyes are blinded. Uh, uh, Not because, I mean, sometimes they literally are blinded because of unbelief. But as we come into faith, as we come into relationship with him, there are all kinds of reasons, and uh, that's a whole new sermon. But I want to say that if we just say, Lord, open our eyes. Open our eyes so that we can see and understand that you are there. And as we begin to see you, help us to know and to hear the voice that gives us direction. Maybe it's just kind of like a finger saying, no, take that door, not that door. Let's go this place, not that place. There are so many ways that God can move in our lives, and I wish we had more time. So he is... He acts in our lives. He speaks as he did with the prophets of old. He speaks through prophetic words as he did in the, old, in the New Testament. Uh, even holy men like St. Paul sometimes got direction from the Lord when local, in the local church the elders would stand up and say, God has showed us this. If you go to Rome... You're going to be arrested and detained. And that's what happened. And Paul had an opportunity to know that ahead of time and choose to go anyway because somehow he knew that God was in it. Interesting. That's another story altogether. And then I think I need to read to you uh, uh, toward our closing here uh, from... uh, from St. Paul's second letter to to Timothy. And this is an easy one to remember if you want to look it up. It's it's, uh, 2 Timothy or 2 Timothy 3.16. You know John 3.16. Well, this is 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. Holy Spirit, breath, wind, Holy Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That as we begin to know this person who is the Spirit, not only are we moved to worship but we're moved to do the work that God has given us to do. We're moved to, to trust the Scripture. We're moved to buy peanut butter. We're moved to come over here in the heat of the day, load up our cars, and go out and take the peanut butter and the crackers and the canned goods and all the other things to those people who need it. Now, I want to close with just a little, it's a, it's a kind of a teaser, I think. Um, there is a young filmmaker that I discovered online. I guess I'm, I'm not as stupid about, about electronic things as I think I am. But on Netflix, if you look up a name, 
Darren Wilson. And he's a, he's a 30-something, mid-30s. Uh, he's a teacher, and he's a kind of amateur filmmaker. And he started uh, because he is a Christian, always has been. I, I mean, kind of grew up as a, as a Christian in the church. But he started hearing about all of these kind of crazy encounters with the Spirit that initially it was, I think, an uncle and an aunt were having because they were going to a really wild, charismatic church up in Toronto, Canada. And he started doing a documentary, and his, by his own testimony, what he had in mind was to say, it was to title this thing, the crazy things that some Christians believe. He started meeting these people that he would go to one place and they'd refer him to another group of people. And he started traveling all around North America and Canada and in the U.S. and eventually across the world, interviewing these people who had kind of a rep, uh, 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 who had a reputation uh, for and spoke about these encounters that they had with God through the Spirit and how people were getting healed and people were doing this, people were coming to faith. And it was amazing. And you can see as you look at the films that this guy has done that he starts with a, a kind of skeptical point of view and toward the end he's really saying, listen to these folks. Because they listen to God. They really believe that Holy Spirit walks beside them. They really uh, do the things that he says for them to do. And when I saw this, I was reminded in the, in the book of Acts how uh, 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 Peter and John, if you recall, get arrested and, and uh, firmly rebuked by the officials of the temple because they healed a man who was crippled. And the, and, and the priests and the elders said, don't do this anymore. And especially don't mention the name of this guy, Jesus. And do you remember their response? They say, in so many words, we got to do what we got to do. We have to Listen to the Lord. We respect you, but we really think the Lord is greater. And the Lord in the Spirit told us to do this. And then they go back. They get released because the officials don't really know what to do with them. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and the interesting thing that happens there is uh, that... They get together with the community of believers and they begin to pray and the Holy Spirit literally begins to shake the building according to the book of Acts in chapter 4 around verse 23. But they said, they, they do this. They say in verse 29 of, of Acts 4, they say this, Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. 
while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And I guess what I want to say to myself first, but to all of you, what if we had this kind of faith? What if we had this kind of sense of the power and presence of God that we might, when we opened the Scripture in the morning, just to, just, you know, kind of do a little devotional, somehow that word would speak to us. And, and through that word, we might say, okay, maybe I need to go to H-E-B and, and look for somebody who looks a little bit lost and see if I can pray for them. Or maybe I need to go up here to the H-E-B uh, 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 on New Braunfels there and, and, and hang around the pile of those cases and start witnessing about what Snack Pack is doing and why we do it in the name of the Lord. What if we would begin to live as if God were in the Spirit walking beside us and we were trying to tune in to hear and to see what he wanted us to do? Actually, what he was doing and we would just kind of come alongside with him. That's the challenge that I believe we have when we say these simple words, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Father, let that belief go deep in our hearts and open our eyes and ears to see and to hear what you're doing in the Spirit and give us that holy boldness to come alongside what you are doing. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.